The chief data scientist manages data-driven functions, including overseeing data management, creating data strategies, and improving data quality. They also help their organizations extract the most valuable and relevant insights from their data, leveraging data analytics and business intelligence. Now, the data scientist role itself is critical for organizations looking to extract insight from information assets for big data initiatives and requires a broad combination of skills that may be fulfilled better as a team. Now, in today's podcast for Future CIO, we speak to Jeff Soon, Managing Director of South Asia for Snowflake, on the evolving role of data science and data scientists in organizations' quest to better mine insights from their data. Jeff, welcome to Podchats for Future CIO. Thank you so much for having me today, Alan. To start off the discussion, what exactly is a data scientist and where do they come from? A data scientist is a fairly elusive role in that you need three fairly distinct skill sets. So the first skill set is the main knowledge of the business. Because ultimately, it's very, very hard to distill insights if you don't have strong domain knowledge of the business that you're working for. The second part of being a data scientist is really having a very strong background in statistics or mathematics. Because ultimately, what you're doing is sometimes creating predictive models, and you need a way of being able to interpret and measure these models. And typically, you're rely on a heavy degree of statistics in an efficient way. Third part of being a data scientist is really having a technical background so that you can actually program and develop models. So that's why you'll hear many organizations complain that it's very, very difficult to find someone with a mathematical background, a programming background, as well as deep domain knowledge. So it's a little bit of a unicorn, and that's why I think we've seen some organizations take a hybrid approach by getting people with maybe one or two of those skill sets, but pairing them with individuals with complementary skill sets. So as a pod, they can actually perform this data science role. And just offhand, do you know how many data scientists we have in Asia? It's very, very difficult to put a number on it because given it's such a hot profession, you know, you do have a lot of graduates that are coming out of of universities and labeling themselves as a data scientist. If you go back to my definition where you kind of need mathematic programming as well as business domain knowledge, I, I would say you would need a couple of years of work experience at minimum before you can really adequately live up to that title. To be honest, Alan, you're, you're completely right. And that's why many of the organizations that we work with, it's more about how can I upskill the existing individuals within my organization? You know, they may have 10 years work experience. How can I start to make it a little bit more accessible so that they can broaden their skill set and start to bring more data science principles to what they've been doing for quite some time? So I think that's a really emergent trend that we're seeing accelerating globally, but as well as in Southeast Asia. What are the top challenges that data scientists themselves face as part of their day-to-day work? I think the number one challenge that many data scientists are still facing is really access to fresh, meaningful data. So at the moment, when you look at many organizations, the data is tracked in all these different silos. Let's pretend I'm a bank. Not only do I want your standard transactional data, I want to be able to understand how you're interacting with my digital channels. I want to understand how my marketing campaigns are working with you. So I may have data in a CRM system. I may have data in some sort of ERP system. I may have data in some sort of marketing solution. As a data scientist, I want to be able to break down all these silos and bring this data together. And that's why time and time again, when you speak to data scientists, we're getting reports from the likes of IDC that data scientists are wasting 45% of their average work week going out there and just trying to get access to all the data they need to perform their jobs efficiently. Now, because of COVID, and I think because to be upfront, at a macro level, the markets have changed more in the last 24 months than arguably in the 
last decade or so because of the impact of COVID. Data scientists now need access to third-party data to be able to fine-tune their models. A great example is that we have one of our partners called Star Schema that is normalizing all of its the various COVID data sets from the various government entities, from hospitals, from the local level, from state levels, from the WHO, and making this available on Snowflake. And this is one of the most commonly accessed data sets because as, as a data scientist, I want to be able to factor in things such as COVID infection rates, COVID death rates, COVID hospitalization rates in doing any sort of advanced business planning. All of us are based in Southeast Asia, right? And we've seen on almost a, a daily basis, businesses are being disrupted by new government legislation, which is linked to COVID cases, etc. So I think the biggest challenge is getting access to this data, which currently sits in silos, and being able to adequately leverage third-party data sets when you create these machine learning and data science models. What sort of skill sets are needed for today's data scientists, and especially given you have multiple issues, right? You've got technology changing, business environment changing, and even regulatory environments changing as well. To be honest, I, I think the most critical skill set is actually the ability to engage with the business. Because I agree there's a whole lot of technology that we'll talk about. But fundamentally, I think the role of a data scientist is to be able to sell a particular outcome to a particular business stakeholder. Because data science for the sake of experimentation or innovation is not going to continue your practice or yourself being funded, right? So I think, number one, we need to work out what are good problems that data science can solve. And once we have consensus on on how these problems can be solved, what we need to do is look at how we can create a technical foundation that will enable the problem to be solved, but also that will allow these models to be maintained on an ongoing basis. There's no point putting something into production and then, you know, a week later, a month later, a year later, the model's not constantly being trained and refined, and then some of the results delivers may be impacted. So I think the number one thing that data scientists need to do is get this strong business alignment and a clear understanding understanding of what success looks like. Once you've done that, then I think it's really a lot of the effort goes into building the technical foundation for enabling this. Understanding what are my source systems? Where am I going to get my data from? What third-party data do I need? What data do I need within my organization? How can I ensure that I can get this data very quickly into a central repository and, and on an ongoing basis, right? It's not about just loading data once. It's can I continuously stream my data into this platform? And then the challenge becomes how am I going to execute data science on top of this? Now, the great thing is, I think if you look at over the last three to four years, when I mentioned the three capabilities of a data scientist, programming, statistics, and business domain knowledge, I think a lot of innovation has been done to really reduce to an extent the amount of programming required by a data scientist. There's many tools through GUI interfaces that are taking some of that off the plate. So it makes it a little bit easier for the data scientist really to rely on their domain knowledge and their statistics. And some of the data science is getting simplified by tools such as Snowflake and the organizations we partner with, such as Data Robot or Data Eku. You mentioned having the data science teams, uh, the scientists as well as every other member of the data science team in the company already. But what about if a company's just at the start of saying, we're growing our business, we've got a lot of data, now we need to hire a data scientist. Given that we don't have an expertise in-house as to exactly what the data science is or what the data science team should look like, who gets involved in defining what that role is and hopefully being able to hire the right set of people? 
So I think ultimately it has to be business driven, right? The business needs to truly understand, you know, what is the upside of creating a very successful or efficient data science model. So for example, if I'm in e-commerce, yes, it it is going to be fairly critical that we're doing a lot of advanced machine learning and analysis to make sure that when I go to this e-commerce website, I'm getting a personalized experience. And this website is capable of almost in real time understanding my browsing behavior and giving me options such as a next best offer. Right. So you'll notice that whenever you, you go to an e-commerce site, the great ones are constantly making very relevant suggestions to you that can have a significant impact on the top line. So ultimately, I think the decision on whether or not to invest in a data scientist is how significant is this going to be to my business? And do I need this degree of insight? Do I need this degree of near real-time analytics to be successful? By the same token, if I'm a, a painter and my job is to you know paint art what, do I really need a data scientist to help me become a data a better painter, right? If I'm running a restaurant, do I really, really need to go hire a data scientist or do I need to hire a better chef? We do need to understand what the value that can be realized is before making that decision. So how can public-private partnership enable a strong pool of such talent locally or within the region and bridge the current gaps that exist between you know, what's available out there and what we really need from a business perspective? We've been fortunate to see some amazing examples of public-private partnerships. And the one thing that the public sector has that everyone is so hungry for is amazing amounts of data. So that we've seen governments all around the world, specifically in Southeast Asia, start to be a lot more open in terms of the data that they have and have collected. Things such as census data, things such as socioeconomic data. So I think the first thing is a government needs to be open and transparent about the data it has and its willingness to share that data. And I think once governments start to share the data, you start to see a lot of private companies look at, oh, okay, you know, we can take and leverage this data. We can start to create capabilities to either monetize it or we can actually look at ways of enhancing our actual business through this. So a good example is, you know, we've partnered with the state of California. They have an amazing wealth of COVID and healthcare related data and they're partnering with Snowflake to make that available to all the businesses in the state of California. In the Philippines, you know, where we have the opportunity to partner with the government to create dashboards that will actually measure the distribution of the vaccine across the entire country. So, you know, I I think there's a lot that can be done in terms of being open to this. The second thing that I think there's a lot of opportunity is in countries where the public sector has a strong influence on the tertiary education system to start to really bake really relevant content into what is being taught at these tertiary institutions. I mean, while I, I absolutely respect and you know the typical law degree medicine degree nursing degree has been part of of the curriculum for the last 50 to 100 years i think the government in partnership with private universities or semi-public universities has the real ability to start to provide skill sets that are going to be extremely valuable and useful moving forward and it doesn't need to even be at the undergraduate level where i'm currently based in singapore through the skills futures program it's always possible to do short courses and it's really quite exciting to see the number of short courses that now exist around analytics, machine learning, data science, statistical analysis, you know, more and more short courses are being available so that it's very possible for someone to go reskill and retrain. Should data scientists care about data privacy? 
Absolutely. We are now at a stage that I fundamentally believe the technology is almost melted away as a limitation. We can currently do more with technology than we should do. So it is very, very important that we create standards around the ethical use of AI and machine learning because they can be very, very significant impacts to populations or to individuals if we're not very careful to ensure that what we're doing with data science is ethical and is morally correct. And also, I, I think the other perspective, people call it the creepy factor. As a consumer, I expect you to know a certain amount about me and for our interaction to happen in a certain way. If you suddenly know a little bit too much about me, I start to feel quite uncomfortable or it's quite creepy, right? It's like the big brother in, impact. So I think it's really conscious that when we, we use these technologies, that number one, we're main, always mindful of what is ethical and correct. Secondly, I, I think we shouldn't be creeping out our customers. And then finally, I think we should always be using this type of technology where there is a firm business outcome in mind. And just to be specific, I mean, we probably now have the technology to be extremely granular in how we create credit risk. And if we simply apply all our latest algorithms, etc., we can actually be fairly unfair or there may be some biases in the model that may impact the ability of some people to receive healthcare, to receive financial credit, to receive various other products that they should be entitled to. So that's why I think we're in a very interesting stage in that the technology actually allows us to do in many ways more than what we should do. Finally, what is your advice to leadership about acquiring and or nurturing a data science team? I would always suggest to take the approach of nurturing because ultimately data scientists are not a cheap resource and if you're simply going to spend yourself to a capability, number one, I think sometimes it could create resentment within existing organization structures given the fact that technology is to a large degree simplifying, given the fact that the key aspect of being a data scientist is really understanding what business problems that can be solved. I think the people that often work or have been with an organization for quite some time actually have that domain knowledge to be able to, I think, upskill and deliver value back to their organization. So, okay, I think you always have to find a balance, but I'm always very, very excited um, when I hear organizations and nurturing and internal talent and giving them a bit of a career path. Jeff, thank you for joining us on Podchats for Future CIO. No problem. Thanks so much for having me, Alan. That was Jeff Soon, Managing Director of South Asia for Snowflake, speaking on the topic of best practices in data science. You are listening into Podchats for Future CIO. As always, if you have a topic you'd like us to cover on this channel, simply email us at editors at society.com. We'd also like to invite you to sign up for a free weekly newsletter so you won't miss an episode of Podchats for Future CIO. In the meantime, stay safe, have a great day, and see you on the next episode of Podchats for Future CIO. Bye for now.